Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Shailen Simmons. Uh, she's the founder of Looky Lou or Lucy AI. It's actually Looky Lou. It's an AI-powered social commerce platform. And uh, I won't give any more details than that because uh, I'd rather her describe it to you. But uh, Shailen, thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me, Rich. Yeah, tell me about Looky Lou. It's, uh, I like the name. Tell me what it's about. Sure. <laughs> I'm glad you like the name. Um, well, Rich, I, I don't know um, what the um, audience of the podcast um, are made up of, but if it's a guy, um, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard sort of that dreaded question from the females in your life, which is that dreaded, so how does this make me look? And so mm-hmm. it is literally a conundrum that many, many men run into because there's really only one good answer, as my husband would tell me. And the reality is, is that that's a predictable answer, right? And so for a lot of women, um, getting validation on the clothing that they're purchasing is crucial because for everything else in the environment that we're living in today, um, we're really used to what I call the Amazon justification of purchases, right? So we're all now conditioned to think about when we make a purchase, say, for, for example, a binocular, right? That five stars from five people um, may not be as reliably good a purchase decision as maybe four stars from a thousand people. But today, clothing and apparel online purchases don't have that sort of sense of validation for purchases. And it's because clothing fit and clothing purchases are actually a very complex thing. And today, a lot of the technologies that we have in place um, from a technology perspective can be very linear. And when I say that, I I think it tends to come from a very sort of you know, as a woman, I think it comes from a very male perspective, but it's also very numerically driven. And so, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that when we purchase clothing as men, we buy by measurements. And so, um, a lot of people purchase clothing, for example, as a woman, I purchased for my husband. It's really great because, you know, I know that he is maybe a 34, 36 or something like that and 15 and a half inch neck. And so everything is done by measurements. And so it's easy to go from brand to brand with those measurements in place and make purchases that are, um, if not not 100% accurate, but fairly close. And so the technology that we have today related to apparel purchases online is fixed on that premise, which is if I can get you numerically close to the, um, the number that you're supposed to be, then we're done, right? I've solved your problem. And but the reality is that, you know, women's purchases are more complex than that. And that is where well, you really know, what um, can out of. Yeah, a, a strange idea came to my mind. I don't know if this would be good or bad, but, you know, you mentioned an Amazon product, right? So for every mm-hmm. Amazon product, there's five-star reviews, there's one-star reviews, you know, there's like, trolls that hate it, love it. I wonder how a person would feel if somehow, I don't know, 50 people were able to rate how they looked in an outfit. Because mentally, I don't know what that would feel like if you, you know, no matter what you put on, no matter what you wear, some people would say one star, some people would say five star. And mentally, I don't know how that would mess with you if you had that kind of aggregate opinion on what you're wearing. I don't know if that's what your platform does, but the idea just came to me. I just 
when the past are by you. And it does. And it does. And so actually, it's sort of an interesting perspective, right? And our AI, um, Lucy, um, is premised on feedback from a crowd of consumers, sort of um, the way that we will look at Amazon, except that there's no um, sort of written comments. Um, you don't get to tell somebody, you look really, really fat and your butt looks big. Um, we really Good. ask very straightforward questions around, is this a hang, which is purchase, or is this a toss, don't purchase? And if somebody votes and says, this woman shouldn't purchase, another woman tells another woman, like, hey, look, I don't think you should buy it. We really make them check off three boxes, currently, which is, it's not the right fit, it's not the right color, it's not the right occasion. And so clothing purchase is also, and what what looks good is contextual to location and age group as well. And so, and there's a definitive social norm around that. And so the AI takes into account things related to so geographic location, age, um, and, you know, all of those things. And it takes into promise things such as because you're voting on both, you're both posting things for people to vote on, but also you're voting on other things. We're able to tease out what would work for you by not just consciously from a, the AI perspective, noting like things that you like because you're posting those, we know which brands, what colors, um, what kind of styles and all of those things, but also um, your unconscious biases and interests, right? So based on how you vote on other people. So the AI gets smarter and smarter every time you post and vote, but it's, right. you know, it's a little bit more binary than maybe five stars and one star. So it's either yes or no. And it's a fairly easy question of yes, no, but why? Right. And allows us to basically get a, a better and better recommendation engine. And um, for lack of a better word, um, Lucy is an AI stylist that's completely personalized. And the more you post um, and the more you vote, the more it becomes personalized to you across multiple different brands. And do you, you want to do that? Uh, well, one second. You're, you're taking a, like you get shoes or a dress or something, and then you take a selfie and you post it to this platform and then people and an AI review you or just an AI or people? Or? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So 71% um, of millennial women, more than 71% of millennial women today um, send selfies to their friends while they're shopping at a store or if they're trying on things that they actually had shipped to their home and trying to decide whether or not they were going to ship it back. Right. And the reason why we're building a lot of this is that there's a, this is a major um, concern to us. Right. Um, women well, shop. One, one question. So, Sure. So what happens when a you know I'm not one obviously, but what what happens when a millennial woman shops? She like she'll go into like the booth, put on a dress or something, and then take a picture of herself and what send it to friends or just take a picture and yeah. save it to her phone for later or what, what will they do? They actually take a picture and text it to their friends now, hoping for feedback. And the problem here is that I know which five friends I'm sending it to. I have to wait sometimes if they don't give me feedback in real time, and so. Um, maybe of the five that I sent out on average, maybe I will get feedback on two. And so that's equivalent to me of getting um, the five-star review from two people, right? Don't feel the sense of confidence that I maybe would have had around purchasing maybe a four-star from a thousand people. That's If you ask anybody today, including my 10-year-old, whether or not, what, where would you go and buy if you went on Amazon? What's a better product? You know, the, the four-star thousand or five star with five feedback. We've all conditioned people to think this way now, and that's part of the, the dilemma. And so the goal here is, again, getting, you know, women are already doing this. And we do this because part of this is that we've, we've always shopped socially. You know, um, when we talk about purchasing, the psychology of purchasing, you know, there's things that we do, like grocery shopping, which is kind of a chore. 
And so Amazon's done a great job. And, you know, some of these companies that does grocery work, you know, it's you kind of check off your list and it gets sent. It's not a shopping experience. It's a purchasing chore. Right. But shopping tends to be a social you know, aspect. There's actually behavioral issues tied to how we signal about ourselves, including that we wear and how we fit into sort of the social norms of our, um, you know, the environment that we live in. And so it's subjective um, and it's social. And so women already shop this way. And so that validation is key to sort of success. And so for us, when we talk about, people, you know, trying to help people find better fit, um, we really talk about finding better fit and feeling look confident. And that means to us like three sort of stakes around a validation that, that the AI needs to achieve, which is this idea of you need to be able to get the numerical number, right? So if I'm a size two in this brand, it's really a size four in this brand. I got to get you there. And that's a no-brainer. But we also have to get you to the right shape, right? Sorry, uh, so just, just let me know. So, okay. Yeah. Who, who is doing the rating? Is it the friends of the person and the AI is listening and then eventually the AI becomes the louder voice in telling you if, you know, you're it's you're getting the right thing or not? Yeah, so both people are vo- voting people are voting and Lucy is voting because Lucy's learning from the behavior of women who are voting. Right? It's learning to understand what's a good vote versus not a good vote. And what's considered a good shape for you and not a good shape and what's the right color for you is not. And so it's acting as if it's one vote within a thousand votes of people who voted on you. And what it does is it then takes everything um, from a collective basis and then makes a recommendation. So it's learning how to gamify that experience for itself to say, like, did I, how did I do compared to the majority of the, the feedback for this right. particular woman on this particular post? So it's learning but over time, will I be able, you know, let's say I've been using this, this app for, I don't know, a few months and, you know, Lucy's mm-hmm. voted like 50 times that I bought stuff. It, does Lucy now become like my first go-to? So I'm going to a store and I see brands XYZ. Will Lucy tell me, hey, uh, usually you're a two, but in brand X, you know, you're, you tend to be a four. Watch out for that. Does it, does it now become like your proactive advisor? Or does it still remain in that role of just voting each time? It's actually becoming an advisor. We have a daily, um, we're putting out basically look, look, um, daily picks for women. We start off first with basically, look, here's um, the product that we we think you should purchase, right, um, on a daily basis. And so um, five recommendations a day. Um, and then we would like to evolve into version two of the AI so that the app is when you, you're able location aware. So you're able to go to Banana Republic and say, like, here are the five things that we would recommend from Banana Republic that we think would be a good fit for you. Um, and in these, the size. And Pretty that's cool. where version Very two. Yeah. And that's really the goal because what we don't want, what we want to do more is more than this is just be able to say, like, it's not just that when you walk into Banana Republic that, hey, you know, you're a size two, but now you're really a size six here. Um, is that not only are you a size two, um, size six here, but as a woman who is a pear-shaped woman, um, you know these are the clothing that is successful for women who are pear-shaped. You self-identify as a pear-shaped woman. Here, are how other pear-shaped women look like in this dress. Eighty-six percent. We have what we call the confidence rating um, API that could be um, licensed out to um, our retail and brand partners, where literally you go to a product page and. See sort of um, five shapes 
hippopotamuses underneath the, the you know hourglass is like 86%. So literally, you know that if you're hourglass shape, like 86% of women who are hourglass would look great on this. And then you could see actually real women wearing this dress um, who are pear shaped. And so you could actually see it. And we do this because it's not enough. Um, a lot of times when we talk about um, looking at fit, people ask us things like, look, you know, why wouldn't you do um, VR? for example, or smart mirror where you could superimpose the clothing on the person, then you can see how it looks like. And, you know, as a tech geek, um, my pushback is always, you know, I'm not a tech developer, but I'm a tech geek enough to know that, hey, like it takes a lot of computing power to basically make things flow. And so I give an example like Pixar, right? It takes a lot of computing power to make sure the character's hair flow underwater, look like it's actually flowing underwater. And so you can't really render those things in real time on a VR headset. And VR headsets at a price point is just not realistic for any brand and retailers to do on a mass market basis, right? So how do you capture weight and weave and all of this like thousands and thousands and thousands of permutation? You really can't do that accurately. You will never be able to tell whether or not a fabric is going to make somebody's hips look big or not, unless you actually see it on a woman with hips. Yeah. Well, so I like, uh, I like your method better. It's a lot more social. and You don't need VR for this, I don't think, at all. I think you've got it right on. The only thing that it makes me wonder is, um, and I think because I'm a guy, you know, if, like, my wife says, oh, what do you think of this? If I tell her <laughs> good or bad, she doesn't seem to trust what I say. So I wonder, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe it's me, but I, I just wonder what women think about their friends saying something if they uh, would trust what they say. And then secondly, what if, um, what if you're a woman and you're, like, starting to gain weight? And the AI is like, oh, you're a size five. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm a four. And it's and all the consensus is like, well, it doesn't fit you. What what happens as you know, a woman's situation changes and maybe she's maybe she's feeling insecure this week and she's going shopping or something and just all the comments just really are not making her happy because she just doesn't think that that's accurate or she just doesn't want to hear it. Like, what what will you do with that kind of dynamic? Yeah, so two things. There's zero commenting on the platform, right? Nobody wants to hear from somebody that they look fat. And so we're a woman-founded company. Um, I'm a product person, so no woman wants to hear that. So there's zero commenting feedback, right? So you either get a hang, buy, or toss, don't buy, right? Pretty, you know, just straightforward related to purchasing. Um, that's point one. Point two is that you're, I think you asked a really, really interesting question around like, do people trust people's feedback? And so that's one point was that when you, you know, you ask your husband, really there's, you're, you're very honest, which is great. My husband's gotten to point, he's just like, there's only really one answer, which is like, you look good. You know, and I'm like, that's not true. Right. And your friends, you know, who's going to tell yeah. you what exactly. And so, you know, when we first started this, and this is actually, for example, a, a, a female centric um, product point of view. So when we first started, pretty much all of my male developers and my, including my CTO basically said like, oh, well, she's just limited to your friends, right? And I was like, no. And this is exactly why, which is you, you really trust. And again, we are all now conditioned, but women as well is that we trust basically perfect strangers because have nothing vested in you. I can always tell you that there's women out there who always have the same story I do, which is that one time or two times or 10 times when you walk out of a dressing room and you're looking at yourself and another woman steps out and says, wow, you look fabulous or not. And I keep thinking, well, that woman has nothing vested in me. She's a random stranger. She looks thinks I look great. So clearly I look good. Right. Sure. And so we held on to those things. And so this is why the voting has to be crowd 
oriented. It's not only just because we want to feed Lucy data points and understanding and social valid, like social understanding of what looks good in a geographic location. It's that, again, you know, the sheer numbers make a difference, right? Because Amazon has taught us that too, right? And so okay, that's well, crucial. Um, the sizing the issue, products. getting bigger in size, is, is a totally different question, which is can, can the AI detect that you're sizing, you're changing sizes. And so it's learning that um, as other people are learning that. So if things are too tight. Other people will say like, it's not the right fit. And so you'll get a clear, consistent feedback that maybe it's just too tight and not the right fit. So it, the AI is learning that at the same time. And so it may not be something that you like to hear, but it is then a toss. And then we would be able to tell you like, hey, like, you know, a lot of this, we'd, we'd be able to throw up like data to basically tell you like, you know, 10 of the pictures, 10 of the outfits that you posted, you know, um, people didn't think it was a good fit this month, FYI. So. Well, I could see, um, and it, you know, as the, as the platform scales and you get, you know, millions of women buying stuff, I don't know how there's enough people to give opinions. I mean, the AI has to take over in large part at some point because, you know, who's going to sit there and rate millions of people putting on a dress? Yeah. So, you know, are you familiar with a, an app called Wishbone? No. It's literally a polling app. And so, um, and it, you know, people of all ages from literally as young as a 10 year old, I have a 10 year old that does this, um, to people who are in their, you know, 50s and 60s. Like when you're standing in line and you're kind of bored, you go on there and then they make you ask, they ask you questions. So basically in rapid succession, like, look, Terry Styles versus like, I don't know. I don't know my boy bands like Harry Styles versus like um, Justin Bieber. You know, which one would you pick? And so literally people scroll and vote because people like to see what their opinions are back to other people's. You'd be surprised at how popular this app is and how much people love to give opinions on clothing and cosmetics and all of these things. And so um, especially for women where we get to see new fashion all the time, it's an opportunity for us to actually see what's out there and what people are trying on and cool things. And so when you're standing in line, sometimes you're just not purchasing. Sometimes you're just a voter. And so you're standing in line waiting. And so you're just kind of voting. You're like, oh, like that looks cool. And oh my God, that was a banana pumpkin. And no, that came out. And so it's an opportunity for people to do what they vaguely do on Instagram, but gets them nothing. Right. You, you you like something on Instagram. It doesn't give you shit at this point. Right. It just just basically tells you like, hey, you know, you like something, but it doesn't give you feedback like, oh, OK. So Lucy's knowing that she really liked this Banana Republic top. So I'm following it away that if I see something similar, you know, and if we think that it looks good on somebody with a similar sort of demographic and geographic location, we should recommend that to her. Right. Well, it seems like and so, you, um, it seems super important to have the participation of the brands. I mean, if I were a brand. I would really want to use this and I would actually take this feed with permission. Let's say I was Banana Republic. I would want to take this feed and use it in my advertising. I'd want to push the feed of people trying stuff on, even if it's delayed or whatever, to the different platforms like Instagram or Facebook or whatever to get more brand awareness. Because that's super cool to get all these people wearing my clothes, you know, and, and promoting my brand. So it seems like that'll be like a, a very important thing for you to do is integrate with them and a bunch of brands will really want to push this. Yeah, absolutely. And we are um, a pre-seed company, um, early phases. And so we are actually now in active dis um, starting our active discussions with retailer brands. And we are um, speaking to 
direct brands, which is like the gaps and, you know, their vertical manufacturers, banana public, they manufacture and sell their own goods in stores, as well as brands that distribute to other people like Macy's, as well as talking to large um, sort of retailers like, you know, the Walmarts, Nordstrom's, you know, Macy's, that, that type of sort of aggregate retailers as well. I mean, absolutely. Look, look I mean, I think, you know, I think it's actually what's interesting to me um, and what we're interested in as well is there is a real um, surge in what we call direct-to-consumer brands, basically people like Everlane who are creating brands that never touched a, a physical retail store. And for, our feeling is that we are absolutely even most crucial to people who are starting new fashion brands because typically if you're going to start a, a direct-to-consumer brand, you maybe will have a pop-up store in Los Angeles, maybe a pop-up store in New York, but what about the people sitting in Ohio, right? You can't, you can't try these things on. You're going to have to like buy it, ship it, return it. Returns are a huge problem for apparel retailers. In fact, you know, more than 30 to 50% of all apparel retail is returned. And it's actually a really big financial time bomb for them. It's a $250 billion plus problem. And so we think what we can do is give people the opportunity and brands the opportunity to basically show off the product in almost like mini boutiques. Like this is how it will look like from this really great woman who might have a little bit of more of a hip. And, you know, if I'm living in Ohio and I see that it looks great on this woman's hip, like I might just click on that picture and click to buy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we think that we can actually bring a lot, um, not just to um, the, the retailers that actually have stores, um, but also for those who are just launching their brands. Um, and as physical retail is, you know, to a certain degree, slowing down and apparel is one of those category areas where we still live um, to not touch and feel and try on because of the challenging issues related to fit as we were discussing, discussing here. You know, this may be an opportunity for them to look at doing more and selling more than they have been um, online. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. True. It would drive that. purchasing. It should reduce returns and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a $1.4 trillion the- business. <laughs> so, um, apparel is huge, um, but it's not one typically when you talk about a tech industry um, where a majority of venture capitalists, 95% of whom are men, this is not something that really at the surface of the things that they're looking at typically. And so, but it is a major issue for the retail industry and apparel and apparel industry specifically. So. Well, I could say the new fashion for the new year that's coming out, you know, you get a critical mass of, I could see eventually you'd have influencers on your platform that all they do is go try on stuff because they like, you know, they're, again, they become influencers and then uh, brands would want them to try on stuff in their store and post it on Looky Loo and all that. So it's going to be, I think it's a really great product. It's really going to evolve into a huge ecosystem for you. We Well, we certainly hope so. And I mean, what's really, I think, you know, crucial to us is that, you know, I'm a woman CEO. And today, if you look at where Instagram and all of these places are going, there's some there's some concerns, right? Like typically influencers are women who are 
super thin, they're 22. And so on our platform, because people are actually trying things on, you could follow what we call micro-influencers. You know, these are not the Kim Kardashians of the world who are aggregating a million, you know, people following them and who are, you know, saying like, oh, I love the top because it's aspirational because who is really wearing a Valentino top um, in our daily lives? But maybe I'm following a micro-influencer who lives in, you know, Los Angeles and, you know, she has a little bit of a hip like me. And so, but she looks fabulous. And so I follow her and I want to try on all of the brands that she tries on because look, I know she is like me. And I think that what we're going to start seeing in the near future um, with, related to social media, especially for things like apparel, is that we want to be able to identify. We want to be able to purchase those things. We want to be able to identify with our influencers. And so that gives us an opportunity to um, make it more personal. And we think that Lucky Luke could, you know, play a role in that. Not to say that we think that, you know, major influencers couldn't bring that sense of authenticity to Lucky Lou as well. We certainly, you know, are, you know, have started some activities around talking to folks like that um, to come on the system once we launch in Q1. So, are there any um, are there any settings that you can choose? You know, so I, I'm a woman. I'm going to go try on something. Can I specify? Um, people in a certain radius or geographic area? Can I specify age? Like, you know, eventually it's not just my friends that will look at it and the AI, but what if I want to know the opinion of, uh, let's say I'm a 50 year old woman, you know, I don't want to know the opinion of like 20 year old woman. I want to know the opinion of women like my age or professional women that are my age. Can I specify stuff like that uh, in the platform? Or have you thought about that? Yeah, so um sort of two so this is related to sort of um how does geogra- geography and demographics sort of relate to um feedback as well as potential recommendations, right? So we are a startup. So um once we launch in Q1, there will be very little filter because our goal is to basically get as many votes and posts as we can. Um every post is geographically tagged. And so what we're trying to do is get you the right, you know, when Lucy's looking at recommendations, it's looking at like what is what looks good in your location. So the voters, whenever they vote, we know their geographic location. Whenever you post, we know your geographic general geographic location. So things that are in your geographic location will be way differently than somebody voting for Miami if you're based in the Bay Area, right? Geographic geography makes a difference, and this is. Uh, literally a truism when it comes to clothing, right? Black is really cool in New York, maybe not so cool here. And so we know that those things make a difference. Related to age, you know, at this point, we see that as a version 2.0 to allow people to want to filter um, by age because we don't want to make onboarding a challenge for people. And sharing age is a very sensitive thing for a lot of women. So, mm, that's true. okay. Yeah. Um, wait, yeah so, <laughs> so ver- version two, we think that, you know, once we've, we've established a level of trust with our community, that by adding those things in and giving them the opportunity to opt into that, um, we think that they'll be more open to doing it. Well, what if, what, what, if you think about the knowledge that Lucy will get, Lucy will know, you know, after a while, okay, for these brand, for this brand, um, women that are like size 16 in it or 14, you know, what if I'm able to now, let's say, okay, so I'm heavier, I'm a woman and I'm older or something, you know, age, maybe you can't tell, but Lucy may be able to know, all right, well, out of all the voting pool, we can skew it so that women that are about your size can vote on 
your stuff instead of skinny women because they may have the perception you don't want. You know, like if I'm heavier and I'm a woman and I'm trying on some kind of dress, my guess is that I'd value the opinion of women that are similar to me in weight and look and all that stuff more than like, like you said, like 22-year-old skinny nothings, you know, that, that they don't know what's going on. They don't know what it's like to be me. So at, at some point, you may want to even behind the scenes filter it like that. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah. So, you know, we, I think the reality is, is that we all have a lot of insecurities. And I think that we make a lot of assumptions related to what other people think about us. And I think that we, you know, the initial reality is, is that, you know, like I said, the woman who walked out from the dressing room next to me, um, you know, I'm just thinking about one particular instance, that woman couldn't be any more different than I was. And she was complimentary because we can't assume that other people, um, because of who they are, their age, what their racial profile looks like, whatever, um, what their size is, um, would be a negative influence in any way. And so, you know, we're looking for certain issues. And I think the reality is, is that I don't, you know, we capture some data related to a poster, um, um, a, a member sort of sizing and shape and weight because we need to, to help make recommendations for size. But we, I mean, could we do it? We could. I mean, if we're seeing that the data is skewed in a way that is not positive and that there's a real clamoring for that, then we may actually make that filter or available for both Lucy um, as well as the users themselves, right? And so we're capturing that data. Will we be putting that into a initial analysis? I think not. Again, I don't know. Um, for example, on Amazon, who's actually voting on the purchase of that binocular? It could be somebody who is a fabulous, you know, person who loves to look at birds and uses it all the time to, you know, a guy who uses it on occasion once a year, right? Um, we just don't know, but they are, they all purchase and they all have a sense of feedback and they all make up to the larger sort of feedback pool yeah. for purchase of that. I, mean, I think whether you, whether you, I, I think, I just think you're going to run into that issue. Like, you know, especially for the people that do the rating. So, you know, when I'm betting, fair or not, whatever, but let's say I'm a, I'm a black woman and I'm heavy set. I'm not going to want to sit there and like rate all these like really skinny white women. I just, I probably won't care. I'll probably actually want to rate people that are like me, like, you know, black women that are heavier. That's my guess. Or if I'm, if I'm Asian, I'll probably want to rate like people that are similar to me. I bet you that you'll run into that kind of behavior on both sides. I want to be evaluated by people like me and I want to evaluate people like me. So it's just, I don't know, again, I don't mean to give advice or anything, but I just, that idea occurred to me that that will be a, a significant influence in the platform at some point. Yeah. And, you know, again, we are, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, asking the question to your users, right? And this has not come up. Um, as a, a question, to be candid. And it's because as a group of, you know, people in the world today, like we're constantly looking at different standards of beauty and different um, different body shapes. The goal here is, is not to be insular and in yourself. I mean, we really would, I mean, we're a company built by a woman, you know, and it's meant for women. We want to celebrate and there's a real movement towards everybody celebrating all body shapes and sizes. And so what I'd hate to see is a, stratification or, you know, people only voting on people of a similar size, um, age, all of that. I think we would like to build a community that is extremely open where all beauty 
shapes and sizes, shades are celebrated. I mean, I think that I'm certainly not a 22-year-old, um, very, very thin girl who lives in Miami, but I can appreciate that she's beautiful and I would want to be able to give her feedback. And so, and I think that would be sort of similar to anybody else. And I, I think that, you know, today, if you look at voting apps like the wish, you know, wishbones of the world, you know, we don't, you know, they serve me up questions about, you know, boy bands. And let's be candid, I am 45. I don't give a shit about boy bands, but I'd, I'd be interested in seeing like my hatred of like Justin Bieber is that, you know, justified or not against, you know, the bulk of the, the you know, people out there. And so I, you know, remember swiping and I was like, oh, you know, other people hate Bieber too. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> let's say you had um, uh, a high-end uh, brand. I, again, I I wear just regular clothes, so I don't know anything about clothes, but I don't know. What's the name of some woman's brand that's, like, very expensive? Let's say a Christian Dior, right? None of, like, not a lot of people regularly wear that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, if, if people are trying on Christian Dior, um, who's going to vote on that? You know, their friends will, sure, but, you know, how will other people feel voting on that? You know, I Again, I, I don't mean to be negative. I just wonder what trends you'll see because women that never would wear that or can't afford it or whatever might be like, oh, I don't want to vote on some rich woman's clothing. What do I care? I can't wear that stuff. Or, I mean, who knows? Maybe um, there's a particular but group. That's interesting. That, yeah. But this is interesting, right? Because if you look at how these things work and aspirations, right? We are, we are an entire group of individuals. We are aspirational. Um, as a community, Pinterest is built entirely on aspirations, right? About things that I would like to have. Instagram is built on aspirations. Why the hell would you follow the Kardashians? They wear Valentino. I don't wear Valentino, but you know what? It's fun to just see what they're wearing because it's beautiful. It's art, right? Fashion is art. And so for a lot of people, it's an opportunity to see something beautiful. And so you know, people buy magazines. Most magazine covers and cover shoots are clothing that are, you know, $10,000. But we still buy Vogue magazine and Marie Claire and all of those things to see beautiful fashion and what it looks like. on. And so, again, I, I, it could be, and, and I'm perfectly candid about this, I think that the male mentality around fashion and clothing um, and aspirational clothing could be very different than women's and has typically been very different. So, and I think that, um, and this is, again, you know, why we would always sort of, you know, constantly test and, and survey our users to understand how best to sort of provide a product to them. But a lot of women, you know, we buy magazines, we go to Pinterest, we pin things that we may never be able to wear because it's beautiful. If I think about my Pinterest board right now, I literally have a board that says beautiful designs. And there are $30,000 ball gowns I am never going to wear, you know, as a you know, tech entrepreneur living in, you know, the Bay Area. Um, but I pinned it there because it's beautiful to see. It gives me ideas, you know, about, th you know, other things. And so it could serve as aspiration, you know, aspiration. It could give me a sense of, like, directionally what are interesting to me. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it must be interesting talk around your office between the men and the women. <laughs> Because, yeah, like, 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 for instance, I could tell you, I don't even see purses. Like, they're literally invisible to me. If you ask me about purses, I would, I, I can't even remember seeing them. But for women, maybe, it's, you know, men just like, they literally have different eyes. They don't see things that you would see. It's kind of funny. You know, they're very, very different creatures. So, 
Yeah, it's really interesting to me. I mean, for example, um, you know, I know people um, whose, you know, wives purchase clothing for them, like I do. My husband has probably not set foot in a store in a quite a long time. I buy it, I bring it home. He doesn't like it, I return it, you know, because um, he really hates to shop. Um, I need to probably check in with my co-founder, but I'm pretty sure that's the case with him as well. Um, and so, you know, when, so it's interesting because I've actually spoken to um, potential investors um, and some of them are fabulous dressers, um, VCs, and they care. And they ask me, so, you know, after you tackle women's clothing, are you looking at men's clothing? And um, they're always slightly crestfallen when I tell them, heck no. And and they have to explain that, look, it's not because I don't think that there's valid questions around things that fit men and the ease of shopping. It's just that psychologically, you know, what we're really dealing with is how women shop and the psychology and recommendations and how things fit for women. And so, you know, if I had to build an entirely new AI, um, you know, and a service for men, I would do things radically different. And so I would go back and survey the men, look at the patterns of shopping, and build something probably very, very different than what I would be building here today. And so yeah, our true. next week is into cosmetics, um, color cosmetics, for example, because we know that more than 60 plus percent of, you know, cosmetics are now purchased online. And so, but finding that perfect shade of red lipstick could be a quest for a lot of people, but how would you know it looks great on you? Right, unless you're close to Sephora, and what if you're in Ohio and you're nowhere close? You're like a, you know, 50 miles away in winter from that Sephora red lipstick. You kind of have to buy it and then try it and return it, you know. Or probably what'll happen is that because it's under a certain price point, you'll buy it, you bring it home and it looks like crap, and then you keep it and you're sad. <laughs> so, um, so we, I mean, from a customer acquisition perspective, I'm fixing, I would be fixing the same problem in cosmetics. And so our, our probable next move or our planned next move from women's apparel would be literally into cosmetics, um, not even handbags and shoes because those are accessories and they don't really necessarily have to match all the time, but cosmetics is um, a head scratcher for a lot of women too. So. I think you've got a lot of work ahead of you, but I think you've got an awesome <laughs> opportunity, and I'm ex I'm excited for you and your business. I really am. I think it's really great. You know. Thank you. Um, it's scary, and you know, dealing with computer vision is never easy. I have to tell people it's mm -hmm. not like natural language AI, which is hard already, but then trying to add computer vision is a little bit more challenging, um, of course. And so, but we're we're excited to be doing this. So, thank you so much. It'd be funny if you built in a feature. Oh my God, did you see how that AI looked at you? But I know you wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know what? That's an excellent idea. Like, oh, what did that AI say about me? Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, no, I we're looking at a lot of things with Lucy and what we can do with Lucy. I mean, she's learning. Um, and we always kind of compare her to, you know, the birth you know, baby AI named Lucy, and then she's sort of crawling right now. And so she's going to be heading into a sort of walking mode. And so at some point, she will probably become a sassy teenager. So um, we'll see how far we can advance her into that state. So and beyond that. State. Well, very cool. So, so, so what's the best way for listeners to interact and to, uh, you know, and to reach you to ask questions, sure. to talk about what's going on? Yeah, so they can always reach out to us on Twitter. Um, we're at Hello, Lucky Lou, that's H-E-L-L-O-L-O-O-K-Y-L-O-O. -O -O -O. So we always answer our DMs. And um, we are found on Instagram um, and all the social sort of platforms. So 
Okay. Well, very good. Well, Shailen, this is awesome. I thought at first I was like, eh, I don't know, this is too exciting. But actually, I think it's really cool. So I'm glad you're doing what you're doing and uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.